thanks for being here for another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm your host, Rachel. If you've been part of Strong Towns for a while now, you've probably heard about our annual Strongest Town contest. This is a bracket-based face-off between 16 towns from across North America that we hold every year in March. And you can find more info about it at strongtowns.org strongest town. Start thinking about your application for next year. But anyway, Lockport, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, was our winner this year in 2021. And we are doing a special week of content right now to celebrate that win and also explore some challenges that the city is facing. One genuinely fun and compelling story that we heard about from Lockport involves rubber duckies. Huge, people-sized rubber ducky statues, that is. During the pandemic in 2020, leaders and residents in Lockport were watching local businesses struggle to stay open as activity downtown dwindled. This is the case in so many communities across the country and across the world. So at the same time, in Lockport, a popular annual arts event was canceled, and there was this desire to fill that gap with something else. Wendy Streit, the chairwoman of Lockport's Summer Arts Committee, had an idea. What if the city partnered businesses that were doing well, like more of the big box stores and other large businesses, with some of the local shops and smaller restaurants that were struggling? A comfortable business could sponsor an artistic rubber ducky statue outside of a struggling downtown business and help shine a spotlight on that place and put a smile on Lockport residents' and visitors' faces. Strite also brought in a local business passport concept that she had seen in a neighboring city so that patrons could collect stamps and win small prizes for visiting a certain number of businesses and duck statues. The project has been a huge success with businesses seeing increased activity and downtown coming back to life. In this interview, Wendy Streit talks about the many partners she worked with to make this all happen, and she demonstrates what a creative approach can do to help businesses succeed in tough times. I hope you enjoy my interview with Wendy, and make sure to check out our other Lockport content on the Strong Towns website this week. So Wendy Streit, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. We are so glad to have you on the show. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Lockport, Illinois? Well, uh, presently, I'm actually a high school English teacher, and I've been doing that for 25 years. I ended up marrying an art guy and we've been married for 20 years. And um, I think one of the things that's been awesome about being a part of his life is how he has inspired art within our family and even within our town. So uh, when we got married, we actually moved to Lockport. We wanted to find an old home that we could restore and bring it back to life. And we wanted to be able to have a a town that we could live in, walk into everything, um, and possibly take the train places. Like all those things were super important to us. 
And so Lockport, when we did our research, was the place that we really could afford and it had everything that we were looking for. So we ended up here and then 13 years in, after all our volunteerism uh, in the town, we were very involved and loved every minute of it. Steve then decided uh, he was asked to run for mayor. And at that point, that was where we started getting more seriously involved in the city and with the arts. Very cool. So Lockport won our Strongest Town contest this year. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. We're so excited. Yeah. What are some of the things that stand out to you that make Lockport a financially strong and resilient place? Why do you think you guys won the contest? I believe that... Ultimately, we won the contest because Steve has provided the city with so much vision and that he's also brought people on that are part of his staff that have that same vision and that our goal is to make the community stronger, make it better, provide opportunities for people to be able to um, afford to try a business, be able to um, get into something that maybe wouldn't be doable outside of our city or the suburbs, you know, maybe um, things that would be more out of touch if you were in Chicago, say. I really believe that he's just brought new concepts that, because one of the things that he has done quite a bit of is he's traveled quite a bit and he's taken uh, so many of those ideas from lots of big, successful cities. And he's brought that to our small town. And he has introduced our town to people who are able to help us, to provide us with guidance, to make the improvements that we need to and he's, he's willing to learn from them. And that alone, I think, can help make our city stronger and financially more sustainable. Yeah, that's awesome. So getting inspiration from other places, as well as like looking to the strength of your community um, as well. Why are you passionate about the arts? It sounds like that might have started um, with Steve, but how did you decide to be invested in that too and um, end up being on the Lockport Summer Arts Committee? I'm not necessarily like super artistic like my husband and even my daughters, but I definitely have always been drawn to the arts. I've My parents introduced me to um, uh, one of the big Broadway musicals when I was in 10th grade. It was The King and I, and that radically like changed my life. I love the theater from that point on. And that was kind of my passion. I was very involved with all the way through high school and college. And then um, I got involved with it even after when I was a swinging single gal. And Steve was still even volunteering in the arts at the church that we were both going to and we were single. And that's how we actually met. I think that as we started dating and we started going to all these little towns within, I would say, like a two-hour radius of where we lived, you know, here in the uh, Lockport, Romeoville, Downers Grove area. And we would always explore all these historic 
bohemian creative towns. And we, it, it was always such a, a fun thing to do on these uh, trips that we would take. And we found that those were the communities that we personally were drawn to. And there was so much life there. And it was always so interesting. And there was always something new. And we thought, when we were in this new position in the city, this is what we need. This is what our city is missing. It has all the bone structure to be one of these wonderful communities of with like bohemian artists and music and creativity. Um, we need to get that here and we have to make it a priority. And that's when he was probably about a year into the office and we uh, decided to start what was called the Summer Art Series. And it was there that we also put together a committee of people that were like-minded. And when we reached out to them, it was like giving them oxygen. They were so elated and so on fire to do something. And it what was cool was, I think with a maximum of eight people, we did some amazing uh, stuff that was really transformative and drew a lot of attention to the city. But, you know, it was fun. You're doing things that you love. And it was, it was a positive experience for all of us. Yeah, having those things that get people excited about their town is so important. So tell us about this Lockport Ducks project. Um, I know that's one of the things that you worked on. What is it? How did it come to be? The Duck Project was a very personal project that when we were going through the lockdowns and the pandemic and struggling to stay focused on being positive and constantly like watching our city, dealing with the struggles, watching our fellow neighbors struggling, it became one of those things where as we were, I guess, kind of trapped with each other, <laughs> I hate to use that word trap because it's a pleasure to be with your family, but it was just so different. And we began trying to think of things that were, what are we going to do once we're released? What are we going to do to help our, our businesses in town because everybody is struggling. And I would be at home when Steve would take a phone call from one of the business owners and on the other end, they'd be crying. And it was so heart-wrenching. And you'd take the emails from community members that were just desperate and sad. And so it just became this ongoing conversation of, all right, what are we going to do? And what do we do about the arts? Because our entire art project for the previous year, like everything else in the whole wide world, was canceled. And we decided we had to come up with something that would benefit the small businesses in town, would benefit the community, and couldn't stop us even if we were masked or we were in some kind of like, you know, everything was closing. Um, it had to work within a certain set of parameters and it had to be fun because my girls, uh, they're 11 and 15. And I know it was much harder for people with really small children, but our girls would be, you know, generally sad. And sometimes, and it's like, we need something that 
will bring smiles to children's faces as well as adults. And that was really the the whole conversation constantly. And we were, uh, we every day, no matter what happened, we would go on a walk as a family at lunch. And we always see our ducks by the canal. And I thought, um, wouldn't it be fun to bring giant rubber duckies down here? How do we how do we make that happen, Steve? Because <laughs> he's always got some kind of magic that he can make it work. And he's like, I think we have the right guy to do this. Let's talk to him. So we went to, uh, years ago, one of our uh, fundraisers and art projects that we did were steampunk sculptures when we were going through our steampunk phase the man who made those was Paul from Legacy 3D, and he makes the most amazing concepts um, out of foam. And then he puts like this super lacquer on top of them that makes them really impenetrable so they can be outside. So, um, and he also does them out of fiberglass. So we went to Paul and we're like, this is what we want to do, Paul. And he's like, I can I can do this. And he gave us a reasonable amount that we could work with for a price per duck. And then we had to decide what are we going to do with these ducks? So, and, and how are we going to pay for them? Because they were not free and they weren't really cheap, but they were, you know, it was still a fair price. And so we personally had experience from being on the other end of the pandemic stuff going on in town, we knew which businesses were not closed down. And we always had the conversation about like, oh my goodness, I mean, these guys are, they're doing phenomenal. Like when you think of the grocery stores, that never stopped. People can't go without groceries. Uh, For the most part, you know, we still needed our Walmarts and everything else that we were getting these basics from other than Amazon. So We, um, in Illinois, never stopped construction projects. So these were the things in the back of our head, like, okay, let's go to businesses that didn't feel the hits from the pandemic and from the shutdowns. And it was our restaurants that were uh, at the end of the rope and they were dying. And we knew we needed to keep our restaurants afloat. And that's where uh, the whole concept came from. So we started... Uh, campaigning and and going and making phone calls and making personal um, appearances to talk with people and say like, look, this is what we're doing and how can you help us? And um, they couldn't help us enough. Like people fell over themselves to help us. It was so gracious and it was um, it was really encouraging to see these businesses that were willing uh, to to help these small businesses. So they became a partner to a business that was struggling in town. And then um, the duck would go out in front of the struggling business. So ultimately that was, that was how all of this started. That's quite a story. (laughs) So what was your hope then after the ducks were put in place and you had found the funding for them? Um, what happened next? Was there a way to like attract people? Um, I know, I think you guys made a map of all the ducks. Yeah. So right. We have to get everybody to the ducks. Um, one of the, the things that 
we did for um, the community was first off, I ordered two ducks and they, we had them done in yellow so that they just looked like the traditional yellow duckies. And when you come over our big bridge, which because of so much traffic, everybody gets stuck on the bridge and they have to stare at these ducks. So mm, that in nice. itself, <laughs> yeah, it drew a lot of attention right out of the gate. And then we wanted to highlight our businesses in town because Steve and I always talk about the fact that we have so many awesome businesses. And I feel like we always are the keeper of all the secrets. Like I know where to get uh, a Turkish coffee. And then I'm like, these people in, in our town, they don't know these cool things. Some of them do, but most of them don't. And our downtown had such a poor reputation before Steve came into office that People just literally thought it was like biker bars and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, we've got a Zagat rated French restaurant and we've got like kick-ass um, breweries and you guys, we need to rediscover this. So when we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we were staying at this hotel that, again, one of our excursions, right, in this fantastic, uh, creative, historic area in Milwaukee, one of their districts, they had this uh, version of a passport for just like a, a handful of interesting things that were in town. And I just was so enamored by the passport. I took it back home with us and I showed it to um, our our office at the city and, and Steve and I sat down with everybody and we're like, how can we make this our own and exploit all the mom and pop places that we have in town? And that was, and the wonderful things we have to do in town, because we have museums, we have this fantastic, you know, canal bike path. We have um, the, the huge Delwood park that is, got this uh, world-class Frisbee golf, right? Like you can do so many things. And yeah, we don't have an Applebee's. It's true. And we don't have a Hilton hotel. We don't have those things. But we have really amazing small boutique type places and restaurants that deserve attention and deserve people to come down and see them. So we went through and we made a section for like, uh, restaurants, bars, uh, things to do. Um, we've got a, an amazing, like, um, uh, sorry, Sonic, uh, haunted house. Um, we've got paintball park. Like we've got all these wonderful things. So we broke it all up and we thought our book wouldn't be very big. And, and then it turns into this like, uh, 30 page little booklet of, all this stuff to do. And in the back, what we did is we did put a map where all the ducks would be located at those businesses. And then we started out by if you, um, and in the back of it, it also had a passport section, just like a traditional passport where you'd get your stamp when you go through a country. This, you'd get a stamp when you'd visit the business that had the dock. And, um, we started out like, if you go and visit the business, get your stamp, we'll give you a rubber duck. Well, we had bought uh, 10,000 ducks and they were gone within two weeks. And we were like, um, we're, how are we going to do this? So um, then we even, we ordered more ducks. We ordered more ducks. I think we ordered like almost like 70,000 ducks in the end. And then of course, I, it, 
after all of the pandemic stuff, then we were having a hard time getting things from China, if you remember. And so even our duck suppliers were dry and we're like, what do we do? I, I, it was a wonderful problem to have because, you know, we had no idea people were going to be coming out here and buying all these or just coming to our businesses and getting these passports stamped. Like we were blown away by the response, even just from the locals. And it was so exciting and people were just so enamored with the whole thing. So we had to go back to the drawing board. And one of the artists, um, he, um, he was making stickers of his ducks and they were, people love those too. And so Steve and I decided, what if we make a custom sticker of every duck and that way we could, um, get several thousands of those to go to each, um, restaurant and, that way people could come out and they could get the sticker. They're smaller. Um, hope they're, they were even cheaper and I could get them made like only 10 miles away from here. So oh, it was, awesome. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have to rely on getting anything brought in and people were really excited even about the stickers because people like putting them on their computers and on their doodads at the house and the kids loved them and they were making stuff out of them. So they, even with the stickers, everybody was still really excited. And we've already blown out of uh, all of our passports uh, twice. And we're in the process. We had to make special kid passports because the adult passports, not that they're adult, but just that they were so expensive um, in those first batches um, that we thought, and they were giving them to every kid in the family so they could get them stamped. And we thought, well, if we make a kid version, which they're super darling, they were way more less expensive to produce. And then we'll get the new passports again in a couple of weeks to put them back out at all of the, the places that have the dock. But like I said, it's been a good problem, but it has been kind of stressful keeping everybody in ducks and passports. Yeah. This this project, it seems like something that I think someone could look on the surface and just be like, oh, that's a cute statue. Um, but hearing about how you used this to generate excitement for local businesses, help clue people in on all the different businesses that are active in your city. I mean, it, it's really amazing and clearly so much more than um, just like a, a cute, fun thing on the side of the road. Um, that Yeah, it's just wonderful to hear about how you combined all these different goals of promoting the arts, promoting local businesses, um, and let them sort of build on each other. Well, and I'll tell you a funny little anecdotal story that came from all of this is you're right. It's like, yeah, on the outside, it's like this small thing and it's, but it has done some really incredible things for our businesses and our community. But I got a phone call from the PETA foundation and um, it was out of Virginia. So it's not like they're calling from Chicago and okay. they're like, we want a dock. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's this like I'm thinking PETA, like these are PETA breads, right? <laughs> I'm not thinking PETA, the animal foundation to save animals, oh, yeah, you know? Right. And and I asked the lady, I'm like, how do you even know about this project? And she's like, Oh, we've seen the the news articles. And I'm like, in Virginia? 
like it's gotten out there. And I said, why would you even want to be a part of something? Like we're just this little town, you know, out here and like 35 miles South of Chicago. And she's like, because she, cause we just love it. And we think it's so positive and we just wanted to be a part of it. And we love what you were doing. And um, I just was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll get you a doc. Here it comes. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like you guys must've gotten some good press and ways to like kind of shine a light on what was happening. So people could be informed about the passports and the ducks. Did you have a specific strategy for promoting this and informing people about what was happening? Or was it more organic? Some of it, like the PETA thing, obviously that came from some organic aspects because um, I did uh, personally contact all of the news sources that we had uh, available to us. So, and uh, we were on them quite quickly. And then we have, like I said, the billboard that is over our bridge where everybody is trapped. We had um, that big billboard taken for uh, a good month and a half to promote it, which was great. Um, and then I did see some of the uh, our local articles got um, kind of picked up by their their bigger newspaper parents, if you will. Um, so like the Chicago Tribune had the article as well. Um, and then we also always use uh, a local magazine that is our version of uh, Midwest Living, but it's um, for our most of our area that's just outside of Chicago. And we always work with them as well. And we promote the ducks through there. Um, And we always take out big ads with them. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. The West Suburban Living. That's the name of the magazine. It's one of our go-tos in this area. Um, And then, of course, we always, um, we're doing our work online with the Facebook posts and with Instagram. That was a full push. Part of the project with the docs, too, were promises that at certain levels of uh, your sponsorship, you would get certain things. So uh, the first level of sponsorship, uh, besides the duck, you would get uh, a public thank you from the city, from the Summer Art Series. Uh, that would go out to everyone in the area. Then our next level of sponsorship, you would earn, um, we have digital billboards out on 355 and 9th Street, which are really lovely and get a lot of viewership as well. And you would get that plus the public thank you through social media. And then the last one was if you did the, the biggest sponsorship, you would be on like, uh, six different radio programs. And one of the biggest radio programs was 101.9, which for us, that's like, um, it's a a big, um, local, uh, like all of Illinois kind of station that everybody loves, listens to in the morning shows and on their way home from work and throughout the day. Um, so we purposely chose, those outlets, and then some of our local stations that were super popular. So those were the things that we targeted specifically as part of the promotion as well, to publicly recognize the business and that donated and the publicly expose the business that was being supported in a positive way. Mm. 
It seems like connections with local organizations and just having that really strong network were, were crucial to making this all happen and getting the word out. It's true. And being hyper aware of what you know the community likes and what the community listens to was vital in choosing the the places that we were going to spend our money. In fact, even when um, I have other organizations in town and uh, they've been struggling to get the support they need for certain uh, fundraising venues that they've been working on. And they came to us as the summer art series and they're like, how did you do this? And so we actually had all this laid out for them and handed it over to them and said, this is what we did. Here are the steps for the sponsorship. Here are the uh, the ways that we uh, attack the, the marketing. And the other important aspect too was our connection with Heritage uh, Corridor. And Heritage Corridor has a wonderful leadership as well. And what he does for our area is he bulk purchases uh, marketing time as well. And that helped us save a lot of money as well. And I've been able to introduce that to some of the organizations in town to help them. But if you don't know that, you know, you, you don't get those benefits. And it's important for people that are, um, you know, trying to do these kind of things to find out if you have those bigger organizations that are in the area. Because Heritage Corridor doesn't just serve, you know, Lockport, it serves uh, Joliet, it serves Lamont. So they, they serve many, many other cities. And that's just a benefit that we happen to have that we knew about and that we used. That's great. So to close us out here, I want to ask what advice would you offer for someone listening who's interested in doing something in their community to help, you know, downtown, to help local businesses, um, maybe even to help promote the arts? Any advice um, for someone who might be trying to start something similar to what you guys did? Sure. I definitely would say um, you need to you need to figure out where you can plug in. Find out what is available in your town. Do you have a a chamber of commerce? Is that something that you can join? Do you have, uh, we have the women's club as well. Is that something you can participate in? Do they have uh, other committees of groups of people that are already established? Because a lot of times people come to us and they want to, Uh, reinvent the wheel. It's like, no, we've already got like three groups of people that are doing these kind of things. Get involved with it. If you have a main street, you know, committee, you can get on almost every one of these historical towns have this and you need to get involved with those. That's a great place to start. And a lot of times they're, they're not necessarily looking for ideas. A lot of times these places have awesome ideas They just can't do them because they don't have the help. And once you get involved with these groups, you can bring more ideas to the table. Nobody's against that. It just comes down to, do we have the people to make it all happen? And the more volunteers you have, people getting involved in their committee, in their communities, the more successful it will be. That is a great point. Uh, Great encouragement for everyone. Well, thank you so much, Wendy Streit, for joining me on the podcast and for sharing this story about what you're doing in Lockport. It's been wonderful to get to talk with you. 
Thank you. It's been a real privilege to speak with you today, and it is such a privilege to serve our city. We really love doing it. All right. I'm going to make sure to share some photos of that rubber ducky project on our website as well um, in the posting for this podcast. So check those out if you're curious. Okay, guys, you've heard me talk about this before, but our newest book written by Chuck Marone, which is called Confessions of a Recovering Engineer, Transportation for a Strong Town, is coming out on September 8th. So that is less than a month away now. If you want to get some awesome pre-order bonuses, the clock is ticking for you to grab those. Plus, when you pre-order, you also help us bump up on the rankings a little bit so that this book gets in front of more and more people and we get this message out about reforming the engineering profession, creating better transportation systems for everyone. So if you want to pre-order, go to confessions.engineer and you'll easily see the place to do that and then you'll be able to get all those nice pre-order bonuses. You can also just go to our main website, strongtowns.org, and there's a link to the book in the top menu. As usual, my inbox is open to you, rachel at strongtowns.org. Send in your voicemails or written messages about what you're doing in your community to make it stronger, to be part of the bottom-up revolution. I know you guys are doing stuff. Hit me up. And I don't think I talk about this enough, but you probably know, just in case you didn't, we have two other Strong Towns podcasts. One of them is called the Strong Towns Podcast. It's the OG, hosted by Chuck Marone, where he interviews a variety of different guests. Sometimes he does monologue um, episodes, and it's really a a broad conversation. It's more long form than this one. Um, Usually episodes run to be about an hour, and it can get a little bit more like heady, academic, research, a whole range of topics. So um, check that one out. And then our other podcast is called Upzoned where we cover a story from the week's news from a Strong Towns perspective. That's hosted by my friend Abby. Um, She is a planner in Kansas City. And then usually Chuck is her guest, but sometimes we have other Strong Towns staff on as guests or various other um, surprise people popping in. Um, And the reason I brought this up and thought to tell y'all about it is that I was on UpZoned um, last week. So... Do search for that in your podcast app if you're not already listening. Check it out if you want that intro with a familiar voice. Um, You can tune into my episode, but all the stuff is great. And honestly, probably the ones without me are even better. Abby does a great job of framing the conversations. Finally, all our work here, all of those podcasts I just talked about, that book, um, everything we're doing is supported by our members. Our members are out in the world making the Strong Towns movement happen in their places. So if that's you, please join as a member. Uh, Head to strongtowns.org slash membership to support this movement, to help other people get out there and do this work, and to help us keep spreading this message about bottom-up, stronger towns. All right, that's it for this week. I will see you back here next time for another episode. Take care. Oh, 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 o